0: that Brother Jared has had. Brother Thomas, he taught last week on humanism, and this week he asked me to teach on postmodernism. So can anybody tell me like what postmodernism is? Anybody have a clue what postmodernism is? Okay, so, so postmodernism. Um, the thing about how Brother Jared set these lessons up and he had Brother Thomas go first because Brother Thomas dealt with humanism. Um, so I'm going to try to cover, kind of dive in pretty deep. It's kind of hard to understand, so I try to get some visuals that kind of help. Because it's postmodernism, is it's a philosophy. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's a, kind of a worldview in a way that it's kind of hard to understand. And even people who are postmodernist would say, it's so vague you can't describe it. So, how do you describe something that even people themselves say you can't describe? Um, but, Brother Thomas did an excellent job on humanism last week. But, humanism is a first step down the road of philosophy. So, humans in nature are fallen beings. See, we're in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve were, and then they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that caused sin to enter the world through disobedience. And so now humans are fallen creation. We're fallen, are um, kind of everything about us that, that you know, we, we had that kind of that nature with God, you know, we we're made in his image. And now we have kind of the selfish human nature that we would call. Um, and so humanism says, like Brother Thomas said last week, that humans aren't fallen, that we can know everything, that we can know everything about life through us, just through ourselves. So humans are fallen and man in, you know, the category of man is fallen, but humanists would say they're not. So reading a portion of scripture, Second Corinthians 10, verse three through five, for we walk not, for we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth, exalteth itself above the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it's important to understand that when dealing with philosophy and what the uh, a lot of colleges are are teaching nowadays and kind of putting out all this these worldviews, these ideas that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't combat the weapons of our warfare through reason, through philosophy, but we combat them through the Word of God. Uh, I think Brother Thomas just took it. Okay. Sorry, so, we wrestle not With flesh and blood, Um, casting down imaginations, you know everything that it, every thought, every imagination that we would have that it that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Meaning, like anything that we think that's above God, like any thought that, like, wow, like that's so big, that's like bigger than God or whatever. Um, You know, we bring into every. Into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, our thoughts have to be in submission and in obedience to Christ as Christians. So, to start with postmodernism, you have to start with modernism. So, modernism, uh, it was, as I have up here, it was a movement toward modifying the things of past traditions. So, basically, there came this kind of enlightenment that everybody started thinking they're like, well why do we believe this? Why do we believe that? And so they're like, hmm, they started thinking and they're like, you know, why why do we believe the Bible? Why do we believe? Why do we believe, you know, the word of God and and what what is life? What is the meaning of life? Is there meaning outside of religion? Is there meaning outside of of our own selves or um, you know, what? It, what is meaning? That's a big question in philosophy. It's like, what is meaning? What is the meaning, the purpose of life? And so philosophers stepped back and they viewed historic belief and they questioned why they believed them. So they're like, why do we believe this? Why do we believe in the Bible? Why do we believe that there's a God in heaven? Why do we believe that? And so they started thinking and they started using reason reason and reason replaced faith so their reason and their thinking replaced their faith in god and so kind of one way to to kind of visualize it is reason without faith is modernism so that's a that's a kind of a, a equation so to say where you take reason you dismiss faith where you don't have to have faith everything we can know is through our mind we can think you know, like one philosopher said, I think, therefore I am. So they, they kind of started with the mind, which the mind is fallen. So you can't start with the mind. You have to start with something else. And so they said we can know everything by reason and we no longer need faith, like faith in God. And so after modernism... And World War I was kind of around the, the tipping point of this because their worldview all of a sudden didn't make sense. Because here is this, this great war that, every, you know, it's just it's so much death, destruction, and they're like, how I, we don't understand this, we can't put this into kind of reason, we can't formulate a, a thought process on this. And so they get into postmodernism. And so postmodernism is no reason and no faith. And so it's kind of despair. there's there's really nothing there. there's um, we can't know anything through our thoughts because it's all perspective. It's all our own perspective on things. And so you know that we really don't have faith. there's no faith in God. there's no reason. we can't think of stuff. Um, so we're kind of left with no meaning to life. And so that it'll this will make sense in a little bit after i get to the next slide but man doesn't have reason or faith and so we're left with nothing to understand life so man is left with meaningless and so postmodernism it is a rejection of absolute truth and grand narratives so absolute truth or or as one person said true truth the very the very foundation of truth what what is that? And so postmodernists would say, well, there is no absolute truth. And then grand narratives. Does anybody know what a grand narrative or a meta narrative is? It's kind of a interesting idea, thought, kind of grand narrative. Well, basically, it's like a grand story. Think of it as a, as like a story, um, a worldview, if you would, about. Kind of how we view life. And so postmodernism says there is no absolute truth and there is no meta narratives. So a grand narrative is a worldview that makes sense of all aspects of life. So as Christians, our grand narrative or our meta narrative is that God is creator and we are creation and God revealed himself to us. So that's kind of, you know, we believe in God, we believe in the Bible, that it's the inspired inerrant, infallible word of God, that it's a perfect word, that our Bible is perfect. There's no there's no faults in it. There's no errors in it. And so that is our grand narrative. That is our our truth that we hold on to. That is what we would call the true truth. It's absolute truth. And so postmodernism dismisses that and it says, well, there is no absolute truth. There is no grand narrative. Uh, It's just, you know, it's it's there's really nothing to make sense of meaning of life. So here it's kind of hard to see, but here is a way to describe a meta-narrative. So think of a circle and you got a line between the in the middle, separating the top and the bottom. And on the top, or on the I'll go with the bottom, on the top, on the bottom, it's the lower floor. So the lower floor is all the what we would describe as the tangible aspects of life, the concrete. So this pulpit, the chairs, uh, this microphone, that's that's tangible. It's concrete. We can touch it. We can feel it. We can see it. And so that's tangible. And on the upper floor, we have the intangibles, such as love. You can't see love. We know it's real and we know it's there, but you can't see. You can't really. It's kind of hard to describe or happiness. You know, what, is, what makes up happiness? So it's not something you can grab. You can't just grab happiness and put it in your pocket. Or justice. Well, what is justice? You know, is, is justice like, you know, it, justice? You know, the, the idea of justice is it's right. Um, you know, we, we really can't grab onto it, but we know what is just. We know what is right. And so here, you know, ethics. Stuff like that. What, how do we describe these things? How do we describe these terms as, as Christians? Well, we describe them based on the word of God. And so what postmodernism does is it dismisses this and says there really isn't a meta narrative. There isn't one singular thing to make sense of life. So as Christians, this is everything we know about life. Think of that as everything we know about life. And that's the word of God. And the word of God informs us on everything. And so postmodernism and postmodernists would say, well, there isn't really an absolute truth. There isn't just one way of life that works. So, you know, kind of maybe I'll I'll bring that down. Kind of a concrete example is kind of if you're just a good person, you go to heaven. So that's kind of that's kind of not necessarily postmodernist thought. But it's kind of, well, you know, if you just live a good life or if you're a good Muslim, you know, you can go to heaven or if you're a good Christian, you go to heaven. If you're a good Hindu or a good Buddhist, you know, if you just live a good life, if you try to let the good outweigh the bad, then, you know, you you go to heaven and, and you get your eternal, you know, place of paradise. And so that's kind of the thought that there's not one way of life. There's not one absolute in life that we have to live by and so this is kind of described as like a capital t truth so the bible is our capital t truth so our capital t truth the bible the word of god that god is creator we are creation informs all our other truths in life so everything we know everything we understand and i and i understand it's kind of deep and it's kind of a kind of even it's hard to understand and so uh, I'm really trying to do my best to explain it um but our capital T truth god god is there god is our creator and we are the creation that's our capital T truth so that's what we live our life by and that informs all the other truths in our life you know uh simple truths that there is gravity you know what goes up must come down or um you know Matter can't be created or destroyed. I think that's second law of thermo, thermo, thermodynamics, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there's truth in life and in nature that we can see, but it takes a capital T truth to understand all that. So we understand it by the word of God and, and through the wisdom of God. Now, postmodernists reject a capital T truth. So they say there isn't one truth that describes life. There isn't one truth that gives meaning to our life. So it's, it's very relative. So it's relative based on you, based on your thoughts, based on your feelings. So my truth might not be Cody's truth. And that's what they would say. Cody's truth might not be Caleb's truth. And so they're, they we're left with like, well, then what is truth? That's the question. What is truth? And if my truth is different than Cody's truth, and Cody's truth is different than Caleb's truth, truth, and then Caleb and my truth are different, what are we left with? There's no absolute truth. And so then that comes down the road, and, and you think, well, there is nothing that is true, so there's really nothing that is right or wrong. You kind of see where this goes? If there's no truth, then there's nothing that is right or wrong, because... What makes it right and what makes it wrong? You know, what makes our freedom? So, for instance, um, we have freedom as human beings. We have, you know, and even in America, we have inalienable, inalienable rights. You know, what happens if my freedom and Caleb's freedom bump into each other? What if I'm doing what, as a human, my freedom is, and all of a sudden my freedom bumps into Tyler's freedom or austin's freedom you know what what well what's what's that look like well, we can see that kind of in the world play out that's why there's violence that's where there's murder that's why there's um, acts and crimes against humanity that's why there's there's all these people do these selfish acts because well it's their freedom to do what they want because there's no truth there's no right and wrong so we're we're left with kind of this this meaningless where it just kind of dissolves down to nothing where what's well, it's all relative based on perspective. So let, you know, say I wanna go rob a bank. In my mind and in my truth and in my life, it's it's okay, it's perfect, you know that there's nothing wrong with that. But in the world and in society, that's wrong. So you see how kind of if you don't have a truth in life then you don't really understand the the concept of right and wrong. There's no ethics. There's no morality. And we're kind of left with this emptiness. And so that's what postmodernism is, is it's kind of this despair. There's no hope in human nature. So kind of think of it this way. So if you you have your capital T truth and your little t truths, and postmodernism kind of says, well, there is no capital T truth. So I'm going to do something really fancy. And I'm going to cross out that. See, so there is no capital T truth. Well, the problem with that is if you live your life by that saying, if I say there is no capital T truth, then that becomes the capital T truth that I live my life by. By me saying there is no truth, that becomes the truth to by which I live my life by. So postmodernism, they, they cross out the big T. And they say there is no absolute truth, but the problem is they just go ahead and draw another T. And then that's the capital T truth that informs all their other thoughts and all their other processes. So it's very circular. It's very circular reasoning. Well, there is no truth. Well, then that becomes the capital T truth. But there is no truth. Well, that becomes the capital T truth. And it just goes in a circle because there is no way to say there is no truth without making that statement a truth. Is anybody following along? Good, okay I was I'm kind of worried it's I'm trying to get somewhere and, and kind of get an understanding built because a lot of times colleges throw out words and terms and everything, and it if you're not familiar with it, you won't fully understand it and you'll kind of you might not understand what they're talking about. So I'm trying to kind of build a foundation uh, somewhat of understanding of of kind of what this is. So there is no single truth, um, but it's a real, and it's not, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they said, this guy was talking, he said, well, he said, postmodernism isn't a total rejection of like a capital T truth, but it's the thought that, and it's the view that there can be multiple capital T truths depending on the person. So how many kind of know like people have kind of in culture, it's been like relative or, you know, kind of relative is the new word or um, perspective. Well, what's right for you might not be right for me. How many how many have heard that kind of maybe people say it? I know a lot of the the, you know, the alphabet community, all those letters and everything and the plus and minus and equal sign and all that they would say, well, what's true for you might not be true for me. So that is very relative based on your perspective. Well, if Scott's truth is true for him, it might not be true for me. But the problem is that means, well, if something's true in Scott's life and he lives his life by that, and then something's true in my life and I live my life by that, what happens when those things collide? Well, who's to regulate that? And so that's where as Christians, we have an absolute truth. The word of God is our absolute truth. Our Bible, what it says about God is true. And that's everything we know about God is found in the Bible. Now, we don't, you know, everything about God isn't in the Bible because it couldn't contain God. But the Bible is what God had to say about himself and what His revelation he wanted to reveal to us as humans and as his creation. So postmodernism, and we get back to that. No reason, no faith is postmodernism. And that's kind of where that equation comes back to, because there is no reason because, well, your reason and my reason might be different or or um, your reason might be true for you, but my reason is true for me. So there really is no reason and there really is no faith. And so you're kind of left with just postmodernism where it's just despair. And so when you get there. And so here here's kind of where I explain Christian grand narrative or capital T truth is that God is creator and we are the creation. Um, So that's our capital truth by which we live our life by, because if God is our Creator, and we are creation, then what God has to say about creation has to be true because He created it, right? So if God says that, you know, let me think of an example if thou shalt not kill, well, since God created us and He's the ultimate lawgiver. He knows what's right and what's wrong and what's best for us. So when he says, "Thou shalt not kill," he's protecting us. So that's why there has to be an absolute truth, and that as God is creator and we are the creation, that God's plan is perfect and works in our life. So the Bible works in life. The Bible is a practical application of how to live your life. It informs how it informs marriage, it informs how we treat. Each other, it informs how we should raise our children, it informs how we should set up government. You know, George Washington said, There is, gov- you can't create a government without God, which is a very powerful statement to hear from a founding father that you can't create a government without God. So the Bible informs how we create our government, the Bible informs how we should treat ourselves how we should treat our neighbors, our family. So every aspect of life, it informs and it gives us our definitions, our truth. So that's our, as Christians, our grand narrative, our capital T truth. And so when we come to the end, we have to understand that ideas have consequences. So this is a very big, you know, it's three words, but the Ramifications of it is huge. Ideas have consequences. So it starts out as an idea. If if you think on that long enough, then it kind of starts to turn into. You know that idea, that initial idea, turns into a thought process. That thought process leads to an action. That action leads to like a reaction. So ideas have consequences. So what we think, and what we think upon will ultimately be played out in our life. So so let's take an example. Let's go back to World War II. So the idea that the National Socialist German workers, the Nazi Party, they had this idea of a perfect race. And so their idea of a perfect race led them, and their action came out that, well, we need to kill all those that aren't perfect. You know, that, that's kind of where Darwinism ends, is if there's a perfect race, if man is constantly getting better, only the, the, it's the survival of the fittest will then kill everyone who's not fit. And the problem is, we have a conscience that, that says that's not right. And so ideas have consequences, where it started out as an idea led to six million people being killed, six million Jewish people going to concentration camps and, and being killed in gas chambers and shot and all this thing because it's an idea. It starts out as an idea. So everything in philosophy, everything that you will hear in college, ideas have consequences. And, and it might not come to you know, culmination or come to an end you know, as soon as you hear it. Or, but over time, that, that idea, that thought is going to start being played out. And eventually, you'll realize that some of these thoughts and ideas that, that people have, they don't play out in real life. So philosophy is always tied to sociology. So it's always tied to life. It's always tied to culture. So let's think of postmodernism. If there is no truth, how is that played out in life? Well, like we, I talked about earlier, well, then that says, well, there is no definition of right and wrong because there's no truth. There is no definition of personal freedom there we're just kind of man is this just it's y- there's really nothing you know we don't have a way to describe man and that that's a consequence because now we're seeing where there is where people are saying, well, a man born a man with you know I think it's it's an x y chromosome, is that correct? And a female's XX. So they're saying a, a man born with, you know, a chromosome X and Y, well, it can be anything he wants. Now he can, he can change to be a, a, a woman or a woman can change to be a man. And we're seeing that because this postmodernist thought, this idea is being carried out in life. And so now there, there's, you can be whatever you want to be. If you don't want to be a man, you can be a woman. If you don't want to be a woman, you can be a man. If you don't want to be either of them, well, you can be anything you want because there is no truth. There is no right and wrong. So you kind of understand where ideas, when they're carried out, they, they don't look too good. They might look good as an idea, but eventually as they're carried out and it's, a, you know, society and everything, it's it's like, oh, wow, that's that really doesn't work. So... It's important for us to understand where ideas come from and where they lead to. And so, you know, we kind of have to be very rational in our thinking. And we, we kind of say we can't just like pick up everything that, wow, that sounds really cool. We can't just pick that up because we might not understand what it's really saying. And so we have to view our life through the lens, kind of think of glasses. We have to view our life through the lens of Scripture. And so as Christians, think of it as we have you know, lenses by which we can view the world by. But if we take those lenses off, all of a sudden our vision is blurry and we can't really see anything. So philosophy, they, they say, we'll just take all those glasses off, then you'll be able to see clearly. But the problem is they, they can't. The problem is that they need scripture. They need to look through the lens of scripture, and that through the lens, kind of, that God has placed in a life, to see clearly and to see clearly what life is. So, ideas kind of have consequences, and it's in, it's very important. And, and I think if I could kind of say it this way that we have to be very careful with when we're sitting in college, when we're sitting in a classroom hearing a professor teach, that maybe you know, we have to go back and refer to the Word of God to say, is this true? What does the Word of God have to say about this? You know, when there, when, man, when mankind is left with meaningless, when it's left with no truth, when it's left with no absolutes, That leads to things such as abortion. That leads to things such as, um, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. You can love whoever you want to love. And all these things because that's being carried out in life. So, as Christians, there is meaning to life. There is a hope in life. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ and in that he went to the cross and died for our sins and was resurrected. The, uh, brother Thomas spoke on hope last Sunday night, and said if if we don 't have a resurrection, then we have no hope, and we don 't have you know we don 't have a hope in Jesus Christ, we don 't have a religion, we don 't have a, a way of life because if it didn't happen then there's no hope and so the biggest thing and, and I want you guys to be left with that. There is a hope and a meaning to life. There is a meaning to your life. There is a meaning to someone else's life. And that's why we can say things like, well, abortion is wrong because life has meaning. We can say suicide is wrong because life has meaning. You see, there's meaning to life. So why would we let somebody just throw away someone else's life? You know, we punish murderers because they're denying human life is important. And so humans have meaning. You and I have meaning. And that there's something that we find when we kind of let ourselves kind of say, you know, okay, God, here I am. I open myself up to you. I want to live my life after how you want, how you have ordered life to be lived. And so, you know, God loves you and I, So much that he he robed himself in flesh and he came down and walked on the earth, was tempted in all points like we are. And he went to a cross being sinless for our for our sins. He went he went to the cross for us. And so we have a meaning and we have a purpose in life because we are the witness. We are the the witness of the church. We are the witness of Jesus Christ being crucified and resurrected and the holy ghost coming down see we have a purpose to life and everyone else has a purpose to life we're supposed to live our lives as a worship unto god and and so i'm 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 done i've rambled on i feel like and maybe you just got a small piece of kind of what postmodernism does and where it kind of leads to but it's important that you kind of pay attention to what kind of is being taught. You pay attention, you know, you understand what Brother Thomas said about humanism, what you know, postmodernism is, what, and I think there's gonna be a couple other ones that that teach lessons because it's important that we understand that as Christians and everything, because well, we just can't believe everything. And a lot of times these ideas, these consequences they just degrade human life and degrade human meaning. So we're left with just nothing. And so there is a hope in life. There is a hope in Jesus. There is meaning to our lives. And there is an absolute truth by which we live our life by, and that's Scripture and the Word of God. So thank you for all being here today and and paying attention. I think they're still going in the sanctuary. So... um, I'm going to turn it back over to Brother Thomas. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed, and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.